Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome to the Maximum Mom podcast. I am so excited today to have Ify Ibekwe join me to discuss all kinds of things about motherhood, being a lawyer and entrepreneurship and gardening, of course, because we'll have to throw in a little gardening. Ify, thank you so much for joining me today. Elise, I am so excited to be here. This is one of those podcasts I thought, you know, one day I want to pitch this podcast because I just feel like it's so aligned with everything I do. Like the whole, the whole title of it is just. Absolutely. I I mean, I don't have words. Yeah. And you like me are also a mother of four. So tell us about the little people who make you a mom. Right. And I have to drop my mother of four joke. I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you tell people you have four children at that point, I would say maybe 85% of them cannot compute what that even means. And you might as well have said that you have seven children or 12 children because it's just so many children. Right. And so um, I happen to enjoy it. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. No one is around me right now. And they're all in summer camp or preschool. And yeah, I have a very busy home life. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because I am a biological mom of four and then a stepmom of two more. So when I say, you know, that I'm a mom, stepmom to six, people are just like, what is the matter with you? You know, what were you thinking? No, or they think, is this something religious or did somebody make you do this? And why would one do that? And then just a generation ago, it wasn't so weird. But now it seems like you have to be a part of some fringe community to have four children and work. <laughs> Don't throw in that you work. Oh, my gosh. Well, I and mean, if you tell people you own a law firm, oh, they're like, nice. what are you doing? Well, the best is my husband who, you know, came in to our marriage with the two children. And as he tells people, I'm marrying somebody with four children. I mean, people were just like, Doug, what are you thinking? (laughs) Run. Like back up, rethink this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But we're about to bring kiddo number six to college this week. So it's pretty exciting. He feels like, you know, we've accomplished a lot. That is quite the accomplishment to get six out college ready. I mean, that is the dream, I think, for most moms. Yeah. So yeah, it feels like a total win. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about your husband, where you live, what you're doing now. Yes. So I have been married for 10 years to my awesome husband. He's an academic coach. So he does SAT, ACT tutoring, and he also tutors people from kindergarten to graduate school. How he remembers any of this is beyond me, but he is one of those people that if he sits down and takes a standardized test, he can ace it. He was a National Merit Scholar, and that's just his passion and love, and we are both entrepreneurs. We live in Bentonville, Arkansas, though my practice is based in Texas. Austin, specifically, is where my office is located, and we came out here in the middle of the pandemic about a year and go and thought, you know what? This is absolutely beautiful. We knew nothing about this Northwest Arkansas 
don't move here if you're listening. <laughs> and it's just a little gem of a place. And we just decided to, to grow our family, not by adding more children, but just have them grow here. <laughs> that is so awesome. I bet your husband is going to be like game changing in the homework help department. I oh. mean, I want to like, oh, I, mean, I don't do any school related. You know how they're like, who's the contact? I'm like, well, here's the form. Let me know if they need me for moms and, and donuts or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's the absolute opposite stereotype. I, I have no idea what's going on. Do they, is there messy day today? Is it water day? Like that's, that's I have, awesome. I love that though, but he is going to be, I mean, that math homework. Oh. I mean, anyone who can ate standardized tests, they've got all the math down pat. So that's absolutely hugely yes. helpful. Well, I wanted to talk to you today. I mean, when I think of you and what you're doing, what you've accomplished and what you've come from, I mean, I think of three real like topics. I think of self-care and, you know, kind of how you went from where you were to where you are now. I also think about the idea of setting goals and how to really set mm -hmm. smart goals. And, you know, what does that constant push for growth look like? And then I also think about surrounding yourself by like-minded professionals and, you know, kind of like that quote we hear, you know, your network is really your net worth, you know, and I think of all the people you have surrounded yourself with and just what you've accomplished. So I'm probably going to go in opposite order. I mean, let's talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about goals and let's talk about where you were and where you are now. I don't know how you know this about me. I don't know if I filled out a form or my intern filled out a form, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I should be taking notes. She has me down pat. <laughs> Goals are my jam. Yeah. Honestly, I am the ultimate goal setter because I love to set a goal, even though it seems absolutely ridiculous, unachievable, pie in the sky. I'm going to write it down and then make it actionable. So whether for one of my goals this year was to have my book traditionally published. So I needed to have it, first of all, write a proposal, find a literary agent. These are all steps. And I see when I'm ahead of the schedule. And when I wrote it, I kid you not, it was nonsense. It was like writing down nonsense because I thought, who am I to write a book on this? And who am I to have the audacity to say, I want one of these top five publishing houses to buy it? Right. And, and by December, I'm just like, what? And, and so I'm one of those people that it, when I write it down, all of it starts to work even behind the scenes. And that's the same thing that I do in my personal life as well, whether it's I'm running a half marathon by October. Right. Huh? And so I don't know how that's going to happen because I only run twice a week. I'm not a fast runner and I'm also carrying much more pounds than when I was more of a, a, a runner. Stereotypical. Anyone can run truly, but um, I write it down and then make it actionable. And so that's one of the ways that I've truly lived my life, whether it's a revenue goal for my business, even though it seems ridiculous, like how will I find the next customer? This is insane. 
or if it's just a goal for how many books I want to read, which, you know, of course I have a book reading goal as well. Everything is set so that I can track. And I always like to be a little bit ahead and it's not so obsessive. It is a little bit, but it also lets me know, look how much you are accomplishing. Cause I'm one of those people who, if I didn't write it down, it's as if I have done nothing. And I think that's why I do so many things. And people are like, how are you doing all of this? And I sit at the end of each month and I goal set. And then I do a retrospective at the end of the quarter. And it's just a whole system that's built out in my, um, I use the Inkwell planner system. I have many, but right now I use the Inkwell planner goal system and I just love it. It's just awesome. Well, because it seems to me that being able to set those goals and really then doing that look back and seeing the progress that has to help spur you on every single month and quarter when you're seeing the progress. Yes, one would think that, but (laughs) my mind is also very fickle. You know, I'm like, oh God, why have you forsaken me? You know, when we had Snowmageddon in February and I was looking at my revenue numbers and payroll was still going to happen. No, I was not thinking, look how much you've accomplished. I was thinking, I can't do this. This is not working. It has never worked. You know, it's like, forget the the data. It's burn it all down, freeze it all down. Right. So I wish I could say yes. And that's how I keep going. But no, it's it's more granular than that. I wish I could hold on to last month or last week. But I literally have to look and say, oh, my gosh. okay, yes, it's okay. I'm not it's not over. Isn't that so true, though? I mean, it's fascinating to hear you. I mean, I, I just know even in my own family, like when I, you know, have been a parent and parenting all these children, you know, to college. And I think every so often you're so overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are they ever going to learn to do the things that they need to learn? Or am I ever going to not worry about them dying, you know, go off, you know, doing something? And then every so often I have to step back and I'm like, Elise, they're all fine. Like they did good. Oh, yeah, you did good. Yes. And it's hard, though, to take a step back and be like, yeah, we we did this. This is good. We are constantly looking for the next thing, you know, and not really ever reveling in the success of today. Yes. And the first thing that came to mind when you brought up the kids was I have been changing diapers since 2013. Yep. Almost every day. Yeah. I mean, thousands of them. And at one point, I remember having three kids in diapers or training pants and thinking, hmm, I guess this is never going to end. I guess it's just never going to end. Like they will not master this toilet, you know? (laughs) And when you said that, I know you're sending your sixth to college, but I'm, I only have one in diapers and I have forgotten to remember how far I've come. Three of them are no longer in a 15 month old. Yes. I'm sure there are some listening who are like, I can fix that. I don't really care, but I have one in diapers. Completely. And no, three you are in the potty. I'm winning. You are. You have won. You are like better than 50 percent. And the oh. is being used. I mean, I I felt the same way nursing and pregnant for nine years straight. Oh, I mean, and by the time, you know, that was over. I was like, Can I have my body back, please? Right. You know, you're just so I mean, that's a long time. Nine years is it a is. long time. Yes. And we forget. I mean, that's. Big, and that sounds so simple, but that's big stuff right. like birthing and feeding, 
children is important work. Keeping and, them alive is hard. I mean, yeah. Keeping them alive I feel like has been the story of my life because you move from that and then you've got teenagers and they're pulling right. all kinds of pranks. Oh, I'm like, not even ready. You're like, oh, yeah, don't. You're not ready. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> the little bitty ones. Get through the cuddly phase. Keep changing diapers. Yes. Smile on. <laughs> There's more coming that doesn't oh, yeah. appear in the diaper. So. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your network. I mean, I loved this weekend, actually, of all weekends to be able to see you post in a common group where we belong to Rachel Rogers. You know, we should all be millionaires and see you post about what's going on. And I mean, if that wasn't to me just this perfect segue into your network and what your network has meant to you and how do you foster your network? Oh, that's such a strong question, you know. I think one of the ways that I found my people is outside of lawyers right. and outside of the legal norms, whether that's with how I think about my business, the client experience, all of that. I tend not to gravitate toward lawyer stuff or programs that Imagine. are <laughs> marketed for lawyers or even conferences for lawyers. You know, I don't mind participating but that's not where I've really found the gold, you know. As a Black woman, I often feel very marginalized as a lawyer. People are still shocked that I'm a lawyer, and I've been practicing for 14 years now, which I don't even think, you know, I'm not a baby lawyer. No. And so finding a group like that of like-minded entrepreneurs and really finding just one or two to be in community with has been mind-blowing, you know. I've had to let go of some of the closeness of some of my friendships over my business, because sometimes people don't have the ability to see what you're working and building. And so it's so important to find like your five or your people who get you and understand and can follow in that way. Absolutely. I mean, I think you bring up such a good point of sometimes people's success can be really almost disheartening to others who either can't see it and can't see the positive in it or are kind of feel like the light gets shown on them somehow that because they're not growing and doing that somehow what you're doing is negative. Have you found that as well? Yeah. And I don't want to speak for them because everyone has their oh, own journey absolutely. and what they're going through. But I did notice that. And here's my first plant analogy. When you start <laughs> something, it's like germinating right. a seed, Right. So my mistake at the, at the beginning was letting everybody know, oh my gosh, my seed is germinating. Tell everybody. <laughs> and that was, I'm starting a law firm. I'm going to start hanging my own shingle, as we say in the law, and start bringing in business. And what I got instead from friends and colleagues were job applications. I saw this person was hiring. And that was so demoralizing and insulting totally. to me because while they were trying to be protective, it was saying, I don't believe in your little germinating plant and I'm going to step all over it and trample it. <laughs> right, exactly. And I just thought, wow, they must really not think that I'm a serious person and that this is something I can do when in my gut, I knew I could do it. I didn't know how or how I would ever make money or pay myself. I just thought, oh, if somebody hires me, I've already won. Like at the beginning, that was enough. And so that's caused me to kind of protect the next plants. You know, that I just let do. them kind of grow in the greenhouse and, and the seedlings a little bit stronger. And then it can get a little wind acclimated and then put it into the 
the raised bed and all the gardening analogies, right? Because it's not for everyone to come along. And I've even had family, close family, not be supportive or really encouraged, but really question and naysay or doubt. And that doesn't, that doesn't feed you, especially at the beginning as an entrepreneur. And so I've just become very protective about my decision making and I don't share it. I share in the group, but strategically because that's a space where it's safe. So it's so important to find safe spaces. And even if you notice in, in this post that we're talking about, I qualified it because there are people who are behind who read things like that and are like, I will never get to where you are. And my goal is never to diminish somebody else's flame, but to say, I was there. I still struggle with the same struggles of you being there, even though I'm here and let you know that it's independent of completely the money in your bank account or the clients on your roster. So, oh, I mean, I think we all struggle. You know what I mean? Sometimes there are different struggles at different levels you know, and Rachel has such a great model around the different levels, I think, understanding all the different struggles. And but I think anybody who thinks somehow, you know, once you get to a certain money in your bank, that that doesn't mean you struggle. I've never met that person. Yes, that is absolutely not true. And I think the great thing about that, Elise, is that it forces you to really question why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Because if you walk that scenario down the road, you start, you do the things to build your business and then you make this amount that one day you're like, you know, I remember when I got my revenue number that I just never thought. And now if I get that number, it means, okay, we can make payroll and, you know, invest in a couple of things, but nothing to write home about. You start seeing how much it costs to, to run a business. You're like, I'm like, oh, I need to actually make money. It, it makes you ch- change the way you think about money. Completely. And so you have to find ways to justify working like that to create and to build this, you know, empire or mini empire, whatever you want to call it. And see, when you get there, will it satisfy? Because if Absolutely. it doesn't, then it's going to be hard to get up and do that, even if the money is rolling stuck. in. Yeah. I mean, yes. you're stuck in a job that now you don't you like. also are responsible for all kinds of other people's jobs. Yes. That's tough. To me, it's, it's powerful. I mean, you have to have that why out in front all the time of why you're doing it, because there's going to be as many icky days as good days, you yeah. know, and just problems that you deal with, I think. I mean, I think of running a business much like parenting. I mean, and there are many days where, you know, you're looking at that child or teen or whatever, and you're like, what was I thinking? Who is this? Is this this (laughs) And who is this person talking to me like this? Yes. You know, expressing less than gratitude for whatever is in front of them. And you're just like, ugh. But and I mean, the same is true in our business, too, you know, and I think that it's so important to have your why grounded. And I love that you talk about boundaries around naysayers and, you know, and especially at the beginning. But I think really in all of your journey, I mean, because I don't know about you, but I have enough mean girl in my own head. I don't need other (laughs) naysayers around. I mean, I've got the mean girl loud in my head. And so I have to spend a lot of time quieting her. Yes. And not having others in that same kind of negative mindset. 
It's so funny you say that. You're like, I have enough negativity for all of us, okay, in my in my head that I'm trying to process. Sometimes so much so, and I don't know if this makes me sound super selfish, that I don't have the bandwidth to take on your disapproval of me and, and my practices. Do you know what I mean? It, it's exactly. enough that, and so it, it's, it's very interesting. I, I do, for anyone listening who is wondering why other people don't come along, people do come along. Oh, yeah. When they see that you are successful or perceived to be successful, even though you've always been a success, right? They do turn around and come back and say, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me that you got this? And I've just hung on to my husband as my number one cheerleader for so long that he'll tell me, he'll say, hey, did you tell this person that you got a literary agent? And I'm so in protective mode that I'm like, well, I shared it with the group that I share those things with, but I'm not making some sort of announcement to people right. who aren't either on social media or, you know what I mean? Because they're family and, and I know they're not reading that stuff. And I'm like, no, right. it didn't even cross my mind because that approval is no longer necessary. Love them. They don't always understand you or they may not get you, but you don't have to share everything. And I'm okay with yeah. that. And I mean, the joy in not needing approval from other people, to me, that's game changing. Yes, it is. Game changing. It Tell is. us a little bit about your book, if you will. I mean, about what, right. what you're writing about, what your passion is in this regard. Yes. Yeah, so I'm an estate planning attorney. I'm the type of attorney that does wills and trusts and other estate planning type documents. And I realized in my practice that a lot of the clients that came to me it's almost like when they sat down, they felt a sigh of relief. Like, oh, finally, you are relatable. I can tell you about my wacky family or I'm having IVF by myself because I'm in my early 40s and I just want to have a kid and want to make yeah. sure I'm protected. And you can do that. And I found that I was a haven for all of the, <laughs> there's a book and it's something and broken things. It's like all the wounded birds can come to me. Not that my clients are wounded birds, but I'm a place that welcomes Come right. as you are, right? Whether it's your race or your gender or sexual orientation or national origin, I can work with you. Right. And so much of estate planning is that old white guy in a white oh. shoe law firm passing it on to his nephew or son. And then that cycle continues, which is why 70% of Americans don't even have a will because we aren't even advertising. When's the last time you saw an estate planner on a billboard saying, Estate planning is for everyone. Right. Never. Yeah. Right. Yep. I've never seen it. And so I'm writing a book that's essentially showing people what they need and how to find a lawyer who's aligned to meet that need. And so I want them to feel like an informed consumer right. in estate planning. So it takes the pressure off because I feel like there's sometimes eyes like, who are you to write an estate planning book? Well, it's not. I'm not writing an estate planning book. I by no means hold myself out to be an expert in estate planning, but I do know enough to be dangerous. Right. And I want to encourage people to go find competent legal counsel who will respect Absolutely. them, their cultural experiences and background and, and life experience, and not just look at them as a balance sheet and say, oh, well, you don't really have a taxable estate in Texas, so here's what you get right? But somebody, exactly. they can understand what they should ask. And it's a guide for doing so. Have you heard? Max Lacan is back live and in person this fall at the Ameristar Casino Resort and Spa in St. Charles, Missouri. 
This event is for you if you're searching for the best ways to scale your law firm and you're craving connections with like-minded legal entrepreneurs. MaxLawCon 2021 has an exclusive Guild Member Mastermind Day on Monday, October 11th with the two-day general conference on Tuesday, October 12th and Wednesday, October 13th. These two days will be full of actionable, proven strategic content from experts that have been in your shoes. To learn more and grab your ticket today, head to maxlawcon.com. Well, and do you think at all about the whole idea, and I'm sure you do, about passing on wealth just as part of generational, you know, increase and how the world can really change if that can change and if people can. And I think of the different communities that you mentioned and I mean, I would think that this is a huge area that's lacking just education around, you know, legacy building and wealth building and, you know, intergenerational wealth. Yes, there was a Prosperity Now study that came out, I believe in 2017, that says by 2053, Black people are on track to have zero wealth. And by 2073, Mm -hmm. Latinx community is on track to be worth zero dollars. Right now, I think the average... This is a couple of years old. Black family is worth about $17,000 and the average white family is worth about $170,000. So 10 times the amount right now. And this is uh, pre-COVID. So I know that that has definitely gotten worse. And so when you talk about the intergenerational wealth transfer, if you do something like balance sheet estate planning, where you're just like, "Mm, you don't really have assets, you just need a simple will. That's why we use words like simple will. But whose life is simple when you have a legacy asset like land in East Texas or your grandmother's house in East Austin, right? Which was where she was redlined to in the past, but now it's absolutely prime development property. You can look at that and say, well, yeah, it might be worth 750000 but again, it's not. You can just pass that on, what, to four heirs who live in four parts of the country? Who's right. paying the property tax? How does that work, right? How do you keep that? Because you know in 10 years, it's going to be worth $1.5 million or more the way things are going. And so that is such an important part of the book is, is really talking about that generational wealth transfer and how people who own are continuously building wealth, whether it's real estate, land wealth, stocks, anything, right? Ownership matters. But I think in this season where people are are really hip to the, yeah, I'm building my portfolio, real estate, and I'm building it with brokerage accounts, and I'm building it with life insurance, they miss so many of the key things in transferring that correctly. Absolutely. And estate planning is that transfer process, working with these other tools and assets to make sure they go where they need to go and avoid taxes and probate and all these hurdles that can steal your money, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Well, and I think there's such a lack of familiarity with first most of us, I mean, me included, you know, around a lot of the details and the ins and outs of this and to have you somebody who both understands it, but then also understands the client journey in a way that is going to be very different from that, you know, Bob Smith and some, you know, 52 tower law firm and his, you know, three generation pedigree coming out of Harvard. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just it actually makes me cringe. Cause that seems so like on the nose. There is a Bob Smith listening and saying, how dare you? I went to I Harvard. Know. 
<laughs> you know, it's really interesting. Oh I had such an interesting talk with one of my children yesterday and he's like 24 ish. I mean, it's kind of bad. I don't know exactly how old he is, but I'd have to count down. But um, so he's in that range. And he was mentioning a friend who has spent his whole life doing work in labor work. Like he's mm-hmm. really involved in building sales. He loves competing on sailboats and doing all this stuff oh. regarding sailing. And he has just loved that work. And interestingly, though, you know, he's from the East Coast. He has this, you know, typical East Coast family with their, you know, multi-generational thing. And all of a sudden now this kid has a job at some wealth advisor. And my son was like, what is that? How do you go from, you know, building sales and doing all this? He's like, he's got no experience in that. And it was fascinating. And I thought, well, that's simply just a familial thing. Absolutely. That's how it works generationally. And yeah. And I mean, but how interesting. To, I mean, because that child probably has heard all kinds of things about passing on wealth and intergenerational this. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the difference is so profound. And I think until we have people like you, I mean, a million of you like shouting from the rooftops, dropping your books that are published by, you know, the top five publishing house people and just get the word out there. It's like the world needs the change so much. Yes. And I just I mean, I'm just I applaud you so much for doing this work and for writing the book and having such a a big, hairy, audacious goal and just being like I'm writing this shit down and I'm going to make it happen. It's crazy because it's not for me. I can't do all these estate plans. I really want other lawyers. You know, but, when you think of the statistics, five percent of lawyers are black in the right. whole country. When it comes to estate planning, I mean, let's be real. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's I don't know what minuscule percent that is. Not a lot. I haven't even identified 100 black estate planners in the whole United States, which would be like two per state. That. okay, that's insane. That's an insanely low amount. So my goal isn't even that you have to if you're black, you should go to a black lawyer. If you're Latino, you should go to a Latino lawyer or if you're you know, we all have to get the people who get it and are on board to start sending the message that this is a safe place for you and yours and your issues to come here and I will serve you and help you in protecting your wealth generationally. And it's not only a safe place, it's a welcoming place that you deserve to be at the table having these conversations. Yes, Because I feel like people have just been so marginalized where they don't even feel like picking up the phone and showing up at a, a lawyer's office is something that they're welcome to do, you know? And Yes. Can I say a, an, an interesting story about that? So my name is Afama Ibekwe. I'm an immigrant to this country, a naturalized citizen. So I understand people not wanting to speak to you because they don't want to get your name wrong or it just seems so foreign, right? Even though this is a country full of foreign people, right? Yep. Same thing has happened for clientele where they say, no one called me back. I think it's my name. And instead of being like, no, they're just disorganized and da 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 da, because I'm thinking they're not looking for free legal work. They're calling to give you business and right. you didn't respond back to them because maybe their name was Mohammed or, you know, an, a name that is foreign, whether or not you're born here. And right. how much of a barrier that is when I'm talking about lawyers and doctors and, you yeah. know, not 
and this is a thing I, I really dispel this myth that if you are talking about serving serving communities that are marginalized, you're talking about pro bono or low bono. That is so insulting on so many levels to assume that we're talking about giving away something for totally. free. Yep. Because that happens to me all the time whenever we go, we have four kids and we might go look at a private preschool and, and it's kind of like, oh, well, we don't have scholarships here. It's like, don't worry, we will not be enrolling our kids here because yeah. you make comments like that because I already see where you're, you're thinking. You know nothing about us, but the idea is that it's a charitable thing to do. And I really want people listening to challenge that whenever yeah. you think about, okay, this person is not white, so they must be poor. They're not white, so they must need help or a handout. No, I, my clients are full pay. <laughs> you know, what? I always tell people when they ask me, how much does it cost? I am not the discount estate planner. I can what? find you one who can, you know, many women are undercharging. I mean, a, a, across oh, all yeah. of the, the lawyer Facebook groups, it's like a race to the bottom for our rates, right? Yep. I'm not the one to do that. I got four kids again, <laughs> who I want to, to send to a particular private school in Bentonville. And so I have to understand that with my years of experience and just building a business, that there is a value there that is not just an exchange of paper um, and filling out forms. And so it's, it's so much of it goes into understanding why we are here and what people can do in order to empower themselves, um, not only as clients, but as lawyers so that they can better serve the populace. Well, and I, I mean, serving the populace, that is the key. I think you just hit the nail on the head like so hard. And I feel like so many of us, we are quote unquote populace is so limited. I mean, because we haven't had the exposure, we haven't had the experience, we've come into things closed minded with a lack of curiosity and with a lack of willingness to be vulnerable and ask. I mean, you made such a good point, I think, about the pronunciation of names. And I mean, it sounds silly. I mean, I have a name with way too many vowels. <laughs> I have one always too. are concerned about pronouncing my name and they wonder, you know, well, how do you do it? And people they're hesitant to ask. And I think because of that just little situation I have, I always just ask people and I'll, I yes, just have yeah. to say, like, how do I properly pronounce your name? I never want to butcher somebody's name. And, you know, I, I, I just ask. And I yes. mean, if somebody is offended to answer, I just don't find that. I have found people have been 100 percent willing to answer. And uh, but then it's up to me to remember and, you know, not to keep it, it up again. Well, or, I say you can mess it up a couple more times. I mean, personally, as someone who has a name that is very common in Nigeria, like uh, right. almost like a a Karen Jones or something, right? It's not <laughs> unique. But here it's like, oh, that's so exotic. It's like, yeah, no, it's really not. But I don't mind people asking me num numerous times to how to pronounce my name because I know they, they want to get it right. right. So I am notoriously horrible with names. So just because you have a name that is not the norm doesn't mean that you're a good name person. I want to be able to ask you, okay, please tell me how to pronounce your last name again. I don't want to even attempt to butcher it, right? Because right. that's just human. It is just human. So. And I, I think the more humanness we can all bring to our world and especially our legal world. And when you think of something like estate planning, which I think is such an almost elite, oh, it I, is. It you is. know, it's, you think of it. 
that way at least. And uh, it, we have to be able to bring more humanness and our populace has to be a more expansive view. Yes. And I mean, I just, I'm so excited for your book. When is your book going to come out? Well, it's at publishers right now. Uh, I have my literary agent who is shopping it around to various publishing houses that are on your bookshelf. I'm like, what? (laughs) Who? They want to see me. So the goal is to have it out by 2022. I haven't gotten a a book deal yet, but it's very close to book deal time. And so just early in the 2022s, it should be out. And I really want it to be something that you can use, that you can give to friends and family and say, here, start here. Yep. And my goal isn't that you should do it yourself. Okay. I'm not one of those lawyers who says that you should legal zoom your will. It's just too important, but I want you to find someone who can do it for you and know what to ask them. That's it. It's just a guide. So you know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to go to law school and do it yourself and be reviewing, you know, 40 pages of clauses. That's not what you want to do. You want just, I wouldn't do my own brain surgery. I could read and watch as many YouTube videos and be informed and intrigued and just mesmerized, but I'm not going to do it. I don't care. I can deep dive, but I'm not going to do it. But I I know what to say. Okay. When you're cutting this artery, you know, or whatever, I'm that person. I can deep dive for so many ridiculous things that I will never, ever do. But I do know when the rubber hits the road, I will hire someone to do that as much as I can afford to or or save to or find a way to get it done for free or for a low cost. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I I, I'm a firm believer and we shouldn't do stuff we suck at. I mean, like we need to stay in our lanes. Yes. You know, I mean, I like you become an expert on the side and then drive the people around me crazy because. I'm like, well, what about this? And I read this and yes, deep dives, <laughs> rabbit like, holes. Oh yes. gosh, Elise, don't please. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I do on gardening videos. Like I'm looking at a squash vine borers and how to treat them. And oh, I don't wow. even have them, you know, and I'm Bye. like, what? I could use neem oil at this stage. And then I can use BT at this. I mean, insane. Tell me about your garden. What do you grow mostly? Are you a food gardener? Are you a flower gardener? Both? Tell us. Oh, my gosh. I am a little bit of everything. On the Enneagram, which I hate to drop because, you know, I'm a seven, which means that I like a little bit of everything. So you're going to find gardeners who are vegetables and like specifically tomatoes. I mean, you get that granular or strawberry people. I am more of a flower, vegetable and fruit person. Okay. which is everything. Right. I do not do succulents. I don't enjoy okay. succulents. They're right. not easy. They don't take to like the environment of my home. Right. So I have right now in my beds, I have been harvesting my potatoes that I planted about two months ago. I have some kale, some Swiss chard, strawberries, peppers, tomatoes. I harvested my broccoli already and carrots are almost ready sweet potatoes. I'm visually going through it. Peas, beets, and bell peppers, fig. I have a fig tree that's fruiting finally. Blackberries, blueberries. Those are all of my plants that I eat. (laughs) You have been so busy since you moved to Arkansas. It's insane. This climate is phenomenal. I moved from Austin to a place where you can grow these things without amazing greenhouse it's amazing and then i have a bunch of of just um 
flowers and natives here. I'm actually taking the master gardener certification with the University of Arkansas Extension. Yeah. <laughs> I this love fall. That in your spare time. My husband was like, why? I said, oh. because these are my people. And absolutely. Who those doesn't want people. to deep dive into 40 hours of instruction and then a test. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Me. I mean, that is awesome. Yes. Have you and your husband ever read Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play, or the card game she has that goes with it? I read part of Fair, Fair Play, but there's another one that I really like. It's by Tiffany Dufu. It's called Drop the Ball. Have you oh, heard of that? Yes, absolutely. And yeah. we are that couple. <laughs> and I'm at my friend's Airbnb right now because she runs Airbnbs all through town because my house is being cleaned because that's just one of the things that we right. weren't necessarily doing that every two weeks. And now we're, <laughs> it's like, we'll find the money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Whatever it is. But I think fair play is similar to that, right? In the role. Yeah, it is. Well, in fair play, the thing it made me think of, you know, is when you're working with somebody like your husband and raising these four children, having ownership over the skills and the tasks. <sighs> and we were talking about your husband and all the stuff he does around the schools and the homework and just keeping up with all that. And families like you and I's big families. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's impossible to do it yes. otherwise, you know, without that division of not only of labor, but of ownership, of ownership of the tasks and the projects. And it just, when I think of you doing your, you know, certification in gardening, it's like that works when you do have a partner oh. who has ownership of certain things, you know, that you're able to turn away from and say, I am going to go spend 40 hours doing this certification and I'm going to love it. And it's going to be yes. great for our family. Yes. Because you get to be your unicorn self doing something that is unique, passion filled, and it brings you joy. And then you bring all that back to your family, yes. which is all positive. And I love that you say that because the number one question I get is, how are you doing all of this? It seems like you're not frazzled and just depressed and, and just, you know, in some hovel somewhere. And it's because of my husband. He's a completely full formed partner in this marriage. I haven't had to, to, I don't feel like I have to raise him. I don't feel like he babysits when he's with the kids. I've never felt like that. In fact, I, I fully trust his ability to problem solve as someone who has, you know, reasoning skills and good sense. And I think a lot of the times there's a level of control that I see where the domain of the home is the woman's. I am not a great home housekeeper. I'm not. I don't do laundry. I can cook. I don't enjoy cleaning. But now I'm training my kids to do all these things, too. Totally. And so Absolutely. I think when you have that kind of relationship and you're not saddled with the responsibility of not only I have an, an, an office with people who have their people to be responsible for, but I'm also supposed to be in charge of all these children and know what they're supposed to be doing at every point in the day and making sure that they're fed. No, it's not reasonable. And so it, I'm glad you brought it up. I always tell him when I talk about him on the podcast, but yes, he is absolutely my partner in life and in building business. And I support him and he supports me and I do what I'm strong at and he does what he's strong at. So. I think that's just, I mean, it's beautiful because it is, 
it's the key, I think, to to all this and to be able to do it with. I mean, I hate to say ease because obviously it's not easy, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's a certain piece. I mean, I find I mean, my husband is so similar. I mean, he is just such a full formed person doing all his things. I mean, he does so much more than me in so many arenas. And, you know, it's his skill set and it's what he does. And I mean, my poor children, you know, they joke all the time. They're like, can you even open your own door anymore? No, I can't. (laughs) Like, That's so sweet. That kind of husband who just I mean, is it's amazing. And I feel for women who just have that, like you talk about that feeling of control where it's almost like they have to raise their husband as well. And it, and I just, I really encourage people to delegate, delegate, delegate as much as you can afford delegate. Yeah, absolutely. And let them fly. You know, if you, if you have a partner who is like that, I mean, I don't think it's uncommon, but give them rope because they don't want to be treated like a child and, and see what they can do. You know, and it's amazing to watch. I think so many people, I mean, as a family law attorney and somebody who works with families, you know, day in and day out, I have watched so many men just absolutely excel in their role when given the space to do so. And yes. no, it's not going to look exactly like mom, but it doesn't need to. No, I mean, it doesn't. The children mm-hmm. benefit from the differences, I think. Yes. And and I think it's it's just I don't know. I mean, it's a lovely thing to watch. And so I'm so glad we touched on that, because I do think people like us with these big families, I think we have to remember to really shout out to our partners who are such strong. I mean, hugely supportive. And I mean, they're just doers. Yes, they are. They are. I mean, I don't ever think of me like saying, oh, this is what you need to do. It's more like we come together with a, oh, here's our pile of shit. Who, how are we sorting it? Exactly. You know, who's doing what? And who's shoveling I, what? You know, <laughs> shovel and get your share going. You know, <laughs> it's true. Otherwise, it makes it seem like, oh, yes, I just wake up and everybody is where they need to be. And life is great. No, it's no. it's absolutely not that. And that's the hidden gem in all of this is. Yeah. Okay, as a person with a big family, as you say, and a business and a full life who seems to be happy and have joy radiating. Right. How's it working? Most of it is because of my partner being a partner. I agree. My husband is my partner, literally not my law partner, but my my life partner. So having that support and really nurturing you know, our gifts and being okay. You know, I'm not the type that says you got to go outside and mow the lawn and I need you to be <laughs> like, no, we're going to hire. Look, I'm, I, I like the garden and outside is my domain. <laughs> if we're having garden of the month, it's because of me not depending on you, like the lawnmower <laughs> never going to be as good as I can get it done professionally, first of all. Right. And I'm not going to do it, but just little no things like those roles, let them yeah. go and, and say, Oh, if they like to cook. Yes. If you like I laundry mean, and ironing, absolutely go for it. Oh, and kids, let me just tell you, kids are amazing at laundry. Yes, I mean, they we, are. We were hardcore family. Not, I did not do laundry after they turned eight. I mean, I am like hands I'm not there yet. I'm so close. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my kids and- can sweep. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
They can do it all. Yes, they, they can, can do a can lot. Do it all. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed talking to you today. I so appreciate your time and your energy. And I cannot wait to see your book hit the world and the oh. change it'll make. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. I feel like we should just talk weekly. <laughs> I know. I know. We could just exchange the child stories, you know? I know. I have so many questions for you, like business, like, you know, I'm like, I need to know everything. Okay. Tell me everything. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to get on. We'll do that. We'll get in our Schmilly group and create yes. a little pod for us. Absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And I really, I appreciate it. And thank you so much for handling my technological problem at the beginning. I really appreciate your patience. No worries. And thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Absolutely. And yeah, well, we're excited to have you. And I mean, there's so many moms out there that I think will just really resonate with the spirit. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about self-care, but I think we did a little bit with our gardening but I mean, I think we'll have to have you on again. We could have a whole <laughs> on self-care. We should. And I think uh, that, you know, I wish like we could all work like you're working right now with that view. And this yeah. is self-care while you're working. Just it is. living where you're living and seeing what you're seeing today has to be great for the soul. You know, oh, so. I said something to somebody. I was like, I wish we had moved on the water a decade ago. I mean, my blood pressure is simply lower now. Really? I mean, See, these oh. are the tips you need to give me because I'm like, I could be in the city for 20 more years rather than moving out in 10. Let me know. <laughs> OK. <laughs> OK. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Uh -huh. Yeah, you too. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.